trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as almost always Cause sadly he had to miss one Is Rich Rich, how are you tonight? Pretty good, living the life Excellent, excellent. And we are also joined by none other than Mike from the Metapool. Hey, everybody. Good to have you back, Mike. Sadly, there will be no CJ tonight. He unfortunately had a last-minute conflict with the show this week, so uh, no CJ. So it is just the three of us to try and tackle a very tall tale as far as flavor is concerned. Uh, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So, hey, guys, we are headed headed, you know, just barreling headlong into uh spoiler season for MTG Origins. And I I don't want to, you know, go deep into any cards right now. I just want your initial impressions of what you've seen so far. How's it looking? So far, it seems pretty good. I mean, it's kind of like there's, it really, you can tell they're trying to do their last hurrah with a core set. Yeah, I'm really interesting. I'm really, I'm really interesting. I'm really interested <laughs> to see. You're so how, interesting. Yeah. And humble. Um, I'm really interested to see how they how they play the story out on the cards because just reading Chandra's Uncharted Realms article, there was just art asset after art asset after art asset that were definitely from cards, but were specifically about her personal story. And it's just odd to see so many of those altogether like that. Yeah, and I don't know if you've been keeping up on spoilers, but just today, one of those art assets is actually her parents as a card. Oh, oh I missed that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, so I, I think there's going to be some real deep flavor on uh, some of the card choices this time. They're really going to be telling some story with cards. So that should be interesting, I guess. I like it, but, you know, I like yeah. flavor, so <laughs> maybe I'm not the best judge. These past couple of years have been have been the best time for actually like being able to follow the story easily. Theros was touchy in some places, but cons was just like, I had no problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they gave us a lot of good stories on the mothership. You know, back in the day, dear listeners, we didn't have all of these great uncharted realm articles, you know, every week that would tell us stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead, we had, we had novels. We had, Apparently, very terrible novels in some cases. Uh, which leads us to this week's topic. Uh, this week we are going to attempt, and I do stress attempt, and oh god, do I apologize to anyone who knows this stuff inside and out, because man, you're gonna be sorely disappointed. Just turn off the show now. Just go listen to something else. But for the rest of you, uh, we are totally going to talk about the flavor and storyline of Lorwyn Block. Now, we're going to take kind of a broad definition of Lorwyn Block because Lorwyn Block was really two blocks sandwiched together. It's like a, like a book ending sort of thing because we had, uh, Lorwyn and, uh, Eventide. Morning Tide. Um, oh, Morning Tide, I'm sorry, that one yeah. came first. Yeah, so Lorwyn and Morning Tide and then Shadowmoor and Eventide. So, those all came together to make a single block. And let's put things in historical context first, if that makes sense. So this was 
uh, around mid-2007, I want to say, was when Lorwyn Block came out. So this was immediately after both Time Spiral, as the previous block, and 10th edition, not M10, but 10th edition as the the core set that was right around then. So we'd just come out of uh, Time Spiral, which was a block that was uh, filled with much zaniness, right? I mean, we'll we'll tackle Time Spiral block in, in detail someday, I guess. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I don't really look forward to that day, but it could happen. Uh, but Time Spiral block, where we had major multiverse-altering things occurred during Time Spiral as we tried to fix all of these... Uh, these like time breaches that the universe was falling apart and we had to put some spackle on that. And in the spackling, we uh, demoted some planeswalkers from being gods, well, all planeswalkers from being gods to just being eh, pretty cool dudes. E- except for Nicol Bolas, who's still a jerk. Uh, and Jace, who might still be a jerk. He doesn't actually remember, but eh, we'll probably find out more of that with MTG Origins. Uh, although we did have confirmation in... I, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. In the MTG Origins story this week with Liliana, that she is in fact a pre-mending planeswalker. Right. So I mean, no. we, yeah, we had kind of conjectured yeah. that based she's on, multiple hundreds of years old, so she was she found her planeswalker spark before the mending happened. Yes, which is also how she's from Dominaria, because I think Dominaria might be sealed off right now for a certain value of now and sealed. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe we're not sure. But, uh, yeah, so she's a pre-mending planeswalker who also had her spark, uh, toned down, uh, as it were. So, uh, we came out of Time Spiral Block, came out of 10th edition, and now we hit, uh, you know, Lorwyn and Morningtide and Shadowmoor and Eventide, and so that took us from a time period, cause, I mean, sets didn't happen quite with the, uh, you know, perfect synchronicity and clockwork that we have now. They were spaced out a little differently. It's shifted over the years. It's about to get weird, too, as we change our block cycles. But, so we're talking uh, near the end of 2007, we had Lorwyn, then early 2008, Morning Tide, then mid-2008, Shadowmoor, then even more mid-2008, Eventide. Okay. So, uh, it took about a year to get these these all out, and then we had our full block that uh, involves all kinds of stuff. And the storyline was told in four novels, and I want to be perfectly frank with everyone out there up front. I'm, I'm pretty sure none of us have read any of these novels. Is that true? That is correct. Okay, so we have not read the novels at all. We were hoping CJ would be here because he's read at least some of them, but that's okay. We tried to do tried to do some research to figure things out. Uh, but there was a novel for each block back in the day. Okay, uh, whether the novel was good or not is open to debate, but there was a novel for every block, uh, or every set, I suppose I should say, because there were, there were four novels that spanned this. And it appears that no one on the internet enjoyed them enough to just write the synopsis for each book. You, you don't find that. Instead, you can find kind of storyline elements of characters in those books. And so that's what we're going to do is we're going to focus on some of the characters who appeared in those books and try and tell. I mean, we could we could probably tell the overarching story of what happened and why in about two minutes and then just hang up and call it a night. But that would make it the shortest episode of the show ever. 
And we don't want to leave you hanging because some of you are probably listening to this to try and stay awake while driving. If so, I'm sorry. This probably won't be the most interesting one, but here it is. We can punch it up. Yeah, we can, we can totally, totally punch it up. So. We'll fix it in post. Let's, let's, let's set the scene. We start with Lorwyn and Lorwyn is kind of this, uh, this idyllic fantasy, epic fantasy plane. There are no humans at all on the plane. So there are humanoid races, there are human-like races, but there are no humanoids. Or uh, there are no humans, excuse me. Uh, what we do have are uh, things like Kithkin, which, okay, those are hobbits, yes, we all know it. Uh, Kithkin, uh, merfolk, fairies, elementals, goblins, giants, treefolk, elves. So take take Lord of the Rings and take the race of man and just, just wipe those sections out. Just get rid of those. And we'll sprinkle in, I guess, some fairies. Because I don't remember many fairies being in the Lord of the Rings books. Uh, maybe one, maybe... Not, I don't, not really, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, and I think fewer giant eagles in Lorwyn as well, as a plot device. Maybe I'm <laughs> wrong, but... There's at least two that I can think of. Uh, well, okay, roughly the same number of giant eagles, I guess. <laughs> so... Uh, Lorwyn was a very tribal block, I think is fair to say. In fact, uh, we had the, the tribal supertype on cards, uh, from Lorwyn block, which I think prior to that we'd only seen it in, like, one time-shifted card in Time Spiral block. Yeah, there was a, there was an aura that had the rebel type, and there was, I think, I thought there was more than one in, um... Yeah, well, if if there were, there were only a few, right? Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't an established. Yeah, maybe thing. like two. Yeah. And apparently, the folks at Watsi decided, you know what? This is way too damn confusing. We're not going to do this again. And much to my chagrin, we don't really have tribal anymore. Sadly, I liked tribal. I thought it was great, mostly so it could be abused, you know, when you're searching with goblin matron. But still, I really enjoyed it. So I'm sad it's gone. Yeah, I think one of the main things is that because tribal exists, they have to add a couple extra words to the standard template in so many different places. Right. Just because tribal exists. Yeah, so instead of saying like search your library for a goblin, it has to say search your library for a goblin card. Uh, well, a goblin creature card or, and put it onto the battlefield. Or yeah. a goblin creature or, you know, something like that. So, uh, yeah. So that, uh, tribal was there. Uh, there were some other mechanics that we had uh, that made appearances. By the way, I apologize if you hear thunder, but there is currently a thunderstorm going on uh, where where I am. Uh, so we'll see if that comes through in the recording. Uh, ooh, yeah, that's a really nice sound of oh. my roof. Eh, hear that? Yeah, nice, isn't it? Uh, so we had some interesting mechanics uh, that appeared in this block. Uh, of course, things like uh, Champion and Clash that are mostly forgotten. You don't really see those much. Uh, evoke, fan favorite Evoke. Uh, hideaway was around. Uh, you know, oh, creature types. We also introduced Changelings in this block, by the way. So if you're a big fan of Changelings or if you use them just to round out your EDH decks, yeah, you've totally got Lorwyn block to thank for that. Uh, incidentally, while doing research for this, I found that apparently the changelings, uh, you know, I, I tended to think of them as, you know, these kind of master shapeshifters that could infiltrate and do all kinds of great stuff because they're shapeshifters. No, apparently not so much. Uh, they're kind of dumb 
and they just kind of morph to sh- well not really morph I shouldn't abuse that term they shapeshift or they 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 change uh to mimic whatever they're around even though it's obvious to everyone that's around them that that thing right there that looks kind of like a kithkin that's totally a shapeshifter we can all just we can see you we can totally see you and that right. uh changelings when you, the, when you see the big jello moose standing in the clearing you know it's it's not legit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you totally know that's not right. Something's not right here. Uh, so apparently, no, they have no real ulterior motive or uh, grand scheme as changelings. They don't, like, do anything great. And I apologize for that to anyone who's got an EDH changelings deck. Yeah, that's just a bunch of that's just a bunch of really confused things standing around is what that is. Uh, oh, oh, and I guess this block also introduced planeswalkers. I guess that's kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they all, that also brought about the mythic rarity, which is going to kill magic. And, uh. Well, they, eventually. Not at the time. Yeah, that didn't come until Shards of Alara. Okay. Rarity. I see. Okay. So we, we, we held back. We only tried to kill it by introducing planeswalkers later. Since that didn't kill it, we introduced mythic rarity. Which still didn't kill it. So, apparently not very good at that. Um, story, by the way, for those who haven't heard, uh, you know, the, the folks at Watsi, including Rosewater, have freely admitted that they really did plan on putting planeswalkers in time spiral, but they weren't ready yet. They hadn't quite gotten the cards tweaked properly, uh, so they didn't make it into, uh, into, uh, time spiral blocks. So they instead came around in Lorwyn, so there they are, the original Lorwyn 5, uh, introduced here. Okay, so we've got this idyllic setting, this this wonderful fantasy setting, and it turns out that it's like never winter here. It's it's like perpetually kind of uh, a springtime in uh, in Lorwyn. The sun never quite sets; it just gets low on the horizon, so it's perpetually day. Uh, but all is not well because these times they are a change in. In fact, these planes they are a change in. So Lorwyn is going to make the switch to its alter ego. It's kind of uh uh Mr. Hyde to our Dr. Jekyll. I think that's the right way. Dr. Jekyll would be the good one and Mr. Hyde is is the bad one. Uh it's going to switch into Shadowmoor. So Shadowmoor and Lorwyn are two sides of the same really weird coin. And when the world switches over into Shadowmoor, it's perpetual nighttime. And it's perpetually like uh, a barren, you know, uh, fall sort of thing. Uh, and everything, well, not quite everything, but most of the things that were there before in Lorwyn are now kind of changed in Shadowmoor. They're kind of their, their evil, creepier counterpart. And they have absolutely no memory of their old existence, which that's kind of got to be a bummer. So that's kind of the shtick between the two the two planes and why they combine together into a single block because they are they are two parts uh, of the same coin. And Shadowmore uh, introduced some other creepy creature types, probably most notably scarecrows. Uh, although there were there were several others, uh, and we got some interesting new mechanics from Shadowmore. Uh, things like Conspire, which recently came back in uh, was Conspire in the last core set. Was it? Uh, or no, Convoke. Convoke was in the last course. Yeah. Sorry, wrong, yeah. wrong con word. So, uh, Conspire, uh, Persist, for those of uh. you in modern who enjoy Persist, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> which is apparently not Mike, uh, and Untap. We actually gained the, uh, the, the, the amazing tech to untap outside of combat as a cost, or outside of the untap step as a cost. 
So uh, rather than the tap symbol with a colon and then some stuff, you'd have the untap symbol and then the colon with the stuff. So there you go. Uh, we also got wither, which is like poison light, I guess, uh, or infect light. Uh, so that was totally there. So, uh, you know, those are kind of mechanically the sorts of things uh, that happened with this set. But Shadowmore Demon Type also extensively used uh, hybrid mana. Oh, true, true that. I remember opening up a, a sealed pool at the Eventide pre-release, and you know I had my cards sorted into about a million piles because of all the different colors. And then I I I realized something, and I resorted my cards a different way. And I said, "Huh." And then I went to the land station, and I got eighteen forests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna guess. Let's see. Uh, green, white, and green. Green everything. Okay. Because <laughs> it had cards from both Shadowmore and even Tide in the pool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, as as I understand it from my research, once upon a time, Lorwyn was a normal plane that just had a normal day night cycle, supposedly. Yes. But. Someone decided that they'd kind of rather it be night all the time because they had schemes and machinations have taken over. And so uh, I think we're going to turn to Rich to find out more about this character. Uh, Una, the queen of the fae. She is kind of (laughs) mean. A little bit. Well, the great Aurora from when it switches between Lorwyn and Shadowmore, she actually keeps her memories where a lot of people don't do not, and she likes that, and so she goes through a lot of different things to prevent that from her to, from losing that. And so as she's in Lorwyn, she starts um, trying to make um, Marlin the Morn Song do things for her, um, mostly spy on um, what's Colinfer, Colfinor. Colfinor, yeah. Colfinor, Col- yeah. Colfinor. Spine Colfinor, so, um, her, his, because he also retains his memories when he switches between, um, the worlds, I guess, if you want to call it. Um, so, but, so, that's, that's, she end- whether he does naturally isn't really clear. Right, so, I mean, yeah, it, same with, it's kind of not super clear if Una does it either, because she actually is trying to bring on the Great Aurora. Yeah, so she's... There's, there's a lot of stuff that isn't clear. Yeah, she, the, she's the source of previous Great Auroras. Right. She's, she causes it to switch back and forth, and she maintains her control. And then, although um, Mar- Marlin does not really want to help out Una, because she's mean, and all the fairies aren't very nice... <laughs> as we have all, as we've all learned through playing through magic, the fairies are. Yes, the nice. fairies, fairies are not very nice. Not very nice. So, uh, so she, um, but then when we actually do comes, uh, lore, um, Shadowmore, she does retain her memories and control of the fairies and whatever, you know, cause she's the queen of the fae. And she tries to steal, um, some of the elementals it powers and she actually tries to and successfully takes over the king and queen of the elves. But then um, Marlin and Sig and a couple other people are trying to they they pretty much unseat her from her control of the elves. Oh hey, I, while you bring it up, I think we should mention the elves of Lorwyn. Uh, so you, listeners may be familiar with the elves. 
from uh, Lord of the Rings and how they're a proud and noble race and uh, mostly kind of keep to themselves and uh, would rather that humans stop mucking things up. Well, it turns out that the elves of Lorwyn's could best be described as, what's a word I can use on this podcast? Jerks. Just total, total jerks. They They kind of rule everything, kind of. Uh, but their entire, like, society is based on how perfect you are. So, the more... So, like ours. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the more, basically, the more beautiful and physically perfect you are, the higher your rank in elf society, to the point that the ones at the top, the, the, like, in charge of the elves' elves, are called perfects. And, uh, they can basically kill anyone below them on the food chain with impunity. Cause, well, they're perfect, so... Obviously, because they're the prettiest, they're totally the ones that should be in charge. Clearly, not really a food chain. What, what would you call that? The, the glam chain? The um, <laughs> fashion? No. <laughs> the fashion. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I just wanted to interject so that everyone knew what what the elves were like. So that's what we're dealing with here. I mean, but I mean, that's fine because that's kind of it for Una. She's. Um, I mean, there's, I really could, I've never read the chap thing, so I couldn't find a ton about her other than that she retains her memories and she's caused many of them in the past. And, Cause she always contains controls of the fairy. She's always the queen. She always knows what's going on. So she enjoys being able to do that. Yeah. yeah. She wants it to be night all the time so that she can be awake and in charge and everything like that. But the thing is, she can't actually hold, um, Shadowmore at nighttime forever. So every once in a while, the Great Aurora comes around and the plane flips over to daytime and Lorwyn for a really long time. And she sleeps until finally nighttime and Shadowmoor come around again with another Great Aurora and she can be awake. Um, the thing about this Great Aurora that the Lorwyn, that specifically this Lorwyn story focuses around is that it's coming on a lot earlier than she expected. So that worries her because she doesn't know whether that means she'll um, she'll be able to keep her memories and power across the change since since she's not doing it obviously since it's coming oh, yeah. on, on uh, out of schedule. So she do, she's not active during when she when it's the Lorwyn phase. That's my understanding. She's she's there and you can feel her influence, but she's not like flying around. Right. She's still, she's she's making she's plotting because that's it was Laura when she was plotting to um, make Mar- Marlin help her out with Colfinor. Yeah, I understand. But some of what I just said has some really big assumptions uh, slotted into it. She's there. She's doing stuff. She's scheming. But uh, I don't know whether she is sleeping. Like I said earlier, I think that was just something that came out of my mouth because it sounded good. I like it. We'll go with it. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll write Lorwyn for them. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> you, you guys may have said this. I had to duck off mic, listeners. Sorry. Apparently it's hailing now, uh, outside, which that's just frickin' awesome. Uh, so, it's my understanding that the whole reason that, uh, uh, Lorwyn Shadowmore have this really long day-night cycle, cause it's like 300 years, mm-hmm. uh, between when it's one and then it flips to the other. Uh, the whole reason it's that long is all because Una started mucking about with things, and she was trying to make it nighttime all the time. Yeah, basically. Uh, so. She does muck about. Yeah. It's what she does. Duh. Stupid Una. 
All right, so... Maybe uh, stupid clues. Yeah, well, at least I'm not trying to make it night all the time. Just most of the time, because I don't really like the sun. It's kind of burny. It's hard to see your stars when the sun's in the way. Exactly, exactly. Oh, by the way, I would very much like to thank the Alert Carolina Network, who just alerted me that a severe thunderstorm warning has been issued. And this is only about ten minutes before the severe thunderstorm has hit Chapel Hill. So, uh, there you go. Great. Glad that was timely. Heads up. Yeah, oh, by the way, that hail you're experiencing is in fact hail. So... All right. Okay, so who is another character we can talk about? I mean, we get the motivation of uh, Una. She yeah. just wants to be in charge. Uh, who else have we got that's interesting? Uh, Marilyn was mentioned earlier. All right. Marilyn, Marilyn of the Mourn Song. Um, and and Rich noted that she has a special connection to um to Una somehow. Una's trying to be the boss of her and tell her to do stuff. Marilyn used to be like uh, an actual person, but at some point, that Marilyn was killed, and uh, and Una made kind of like a magical clone and put some of her intelligence into it. This was part of Una's uh, panic at the at the coming of this unusual Great Aurora. She was trying to seed herself. She was basically trying to to hedge her bets to make sure that some of her intelligence would survive when the plane flipped this time. And Marilyn is a little avatar of Una that she made to go around and spy on people and do stuff for her. Um, there's a – gosh, all of these character stories, when you talk about Marilyn, start getting seriously knotted together. <laughs> and I, it's hard to know when to go from there. The Ventilian, the Vendillion clique, the three fairies and the Vendillion clique would hang around Marilyn a lot, uh, I guess – you know, knowing that she's an avatar of Una, it makes sense that the that the clique would follow Marilyn and, and do stuff for her and everything like that. Um, but Marilyn crossed paths with uh, Ashling and Riss and Colfinor and the Sapling and probably Roisin Meander and everybody else and everybody else's brother. You know, just going around Lorwyn seeing what the heck was going on. So, uh, since you mentioned the Vendillion clique, we should uh, mention that, okay, so fairies, they're kind of uh, mischievous, well, little jerks, uh, kind of, kind of, I guess, like elves with wings, I guess is how I'm going to describe them. Uh, so, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the fae, the fairies, uh, they get together in small groups of like three to six, it's called a clique, and so the Vendillion clique... Was yeah, it's that's right. Uh, so just like high school, uh, the Vendillion clique, uh, they were they were a group of three fairies who who hung out together, and they were uh, Visa and Endry and Iliona. So Vendillion. So you take parts of their names and and shove much in the same way that when we see a celebrity couple today, and we just take their names and just shove them together to make a single name. Same idea here. So. There's your Vendillion click. And, uh, as, as I understand it, by the end, and I, uh, we may be giving away, we're giving away, spoiler alert, we're giving away plot elements here. Uh, Una is, is, I think, killed by the end of Shadowmoor. And yes. I'm pretty sure the Vendillion click also ends up dead by the end of Shadowmoor. Yes, two of them killed each other. Okay. That's very well, tragic. Why did, why'd they do that? This was a, uh, because so they were reasons. reenacting Romeo and yeah. Juliet and got carried away. 
that part of it is really hard to understand. It had to gr- it had to do with two groups of warring fairies, some that were one group that was still loyal to Una and another group that were loyal to Marilyn and her and her buddies. Okay. Well, there you go. The click had a falling out and uh things got real and uh they might have killed one another. There you go. Yay. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, high school. So, uh, I think somebody who's been mentioned multiple times here is, is Colfinor. Mm-hmm. What, what do we know about Colfinor? I mean, he is, uh, some sort of tree folk, yes? Yes. He's the very last you tree folk. Ah, okay, cause there are different, different branches of tree folk. Ha <laughs> ha! Ah, see what I did there? Uh. Yeah, I didn't even mean to, but there it is. Uh, so, yeah, so Colifanor, he is, uh, an ash tree folk, and I, 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 so he was one of the other, remind me, I think we just talked about this, he was one of the other characters who did maintain his memories between the two. I'm not sure. Well, it sounds like he does. His, like, all, all his scheming and everything is to make sure that he can survive the change. So, and, and it sounds like, when he found out that the change was coming, it was kind of a surprise. So I don't know. I mean, I know in the story he ends up he ends up keeping his memories um, by means of the sapling that he had Riz grow for him. Mm-hmm. But um, but it, it's not clear to me whether that's whether that's an ability that's inherent to him all the time. Okay. All right. And so his ultimate goal was. Just to survive the the switch, or was he actively attempting to take down Una? Uh, might be six of one, half dozen of the other. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Send all your flavor hate mail to Jack at MTG. <laughs> yes, that's right. Also, uh, send a tweet to at the Manapool. Don't explain why. Just send a correction to whatever it is we just said directly to him. That is fine. Uh, okay, so another name that that came up in this story is uh, Reese, and uh, Reese is an elf. Uh, he formerly was a fairly high-ranking elf, uh, some some sort of commander of some elvish force, uh, but eventually he got exiled, right? Right. And do we know why he got exiled? There was there was a raid on uh, a boggart camp that went severely severely wrong and um reese had to resort to a, a last ditch effort um poison related spell that he had learned from colfinor he, he used to hang around colfinor a lot in his youth and killed like all but himself and two other uh elves that were with him of all the people who were in the pitched battle at that site uh part of it broke off his horns which made him severely ugly so he was automatically an outcast from elf society because you know if anyone found him they would probably just kill him on sight right and also nath was uh pretty cheesed off with him nath had previously demoted him and given him uh this task to go on this raid and then it all went south and things just got even worse okay so i'm going to come back to nath in a minute here mm-hmm. but let's let's pause and mention something about uh boggart society or or the goblins in this world so uh the the boggarts the goblins of lorwyn uh they live in these kind of uh, uh extended warrens these kind of clans uh that are headed by an auntie 
And strangely enough, auntie is really more of a title than than a, a description of actual relation, uh, because the the auntie of any given Warren was typically the eldest, uh, the wisest, the one who passed down knowledge and and kept everything running smoothly. But an auntie didn't have to be female, so you could have a male auntie. Uh, so that's something to know about Boggarts. Boggarts are also very uh, uh, communal by nature, and uh, they always want to share whatever new things they've discovered with everyone else in the Warren. That's what they do. Failure to do so gets you get you cast out. So unlike uh, unlike just being ugly, which might be a prerequisite for being in the Warren, I'm not really sure. <laughs> uh, not sharing is what gets you kicked out. So uh, caring is sharing, and sharing is caring. So Yay. there you go. Uh, anyway, so I'm sorry, Nath. Who? Who's Nath? Nath was one of the big head honchos of the elves. Okay, um, so is is he a perfect? Yes, he is. All right. So he has absolute power as far as an elf goes. Right, and actually, he's he's really old, and in his old age, he's lost some of his looks, but he keeps up an illusion to make him to make himself look younger. Oh, so he had he had some work done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it'll drop away, um, if he's severely injured or unconscious. And during that, during that awful battle that, uh, we mentioned earlier, he was knocked unconscious and one of the other elves that was, that was in the squad found out. But Nath was basically like, okay, either you keep this to yourself and I will promote you or you don't and I make you suffer a fate worse than death. And the elf was like, uh, I could use a promotion. So <laughs> yeah, you know what? Graft is an okay thing. Sure, I will <laughs> totally not say anything, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So Nath is very powerful, very influential, and uh, very much, very much a jerk. He is an exemplar jerk among the elves. Okay. <laughs> the the jerkiest of the jerks. Okay. So you said that uh, Reese. We were talking about Reese when we got on this. So. Yes. Uh, Reese at some point was involved with the sapling of Colfenor? Right. What Reese do we know? knew Colfenor from his, from his youth and learned some magic from him. And Colfenor gave Reese the task of going, of traveling to the Murmuring Bosque with, uh, with a seed cone mm-hmm. to plant it. And, and that seed cone grew into Colfenor's sap- sapling. Okay. It's hard not to say sapling. It's really, yeah, magic. It's, yeah. It's really hard. You're absolutely right. Uh, okay, so that was that was his involvement there. Uh, now I, I think there are a couple of more big characters we should probably hit, uh, which I don't know a whole lot about. Uh, one of whom is Sig, who appears on multiple cards. Um, Sig is, of course, a Merfolk, and the Merfolk. We should mention the Merfolk in uh, uh, Lorwyn. They the, the bottom half of them is all fish-like. They don't have legs. They have just kind of a kind of a tail. So they're pretty well constrained to just the water. Some of them can leap from one body of water to another body of water and, uh, you know, maybe maybe grab some game on the way so they hunt that way. I, I think they're called land jumpers or some, <laughs> yeah, some, like some very clever name similar to that. Um, oh, another thing that's interesting about this while we're while we're on the subject of uh, of SIG uh, apparently, there are no oceans or large lakes on uh, Lorwyn. 
Instead, it's a series of rivers and streams that are interconnecting and interlocked, and some of them join in, uh, like underwater rivers that, that join between bodies of water like that. So. Yeah, they're all fed by a, a huge, um, underground body of water called the, is it called the dark meanders, the deep meanders? Yeah, uh, dark meanders, dark I think. Dark meanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, did, I guess the, uh, Inside of the world, it has a bunch of water, let's say. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, so I, I really don't know how this works physically. It, it doesn't seem to be the greatest sort of method ever, but <laughs> there it is. So, uh, the merfolk on, on this, uh, on this plane, they travel between places because they, they swim in the rivers and the rivers connect to everywhere. So they are like messengers and traders and so they can move around and do stuff when others can't. So tell me about Sig and his role in, uh, in all of this. It's still my turn. <laughs> yeah, well, still any, anybody who knows anything about Sig that, that I don't. Um, Sig the cutthroat's cool. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, although that Sig the Cutthroat would be the Sig from Shadowmore, right? From Shadowmore, right. And yeah. uh, by the way, while while they're kind of uh, traitors and messengers in Lorwyn, in Shadowmore they're more like pirates. Yeah. Us Sig the Cutthroat are. I like pirates. Hey, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, Sig Sig was a, a a ferryman in on the Lorwyn side, and uh and a pirate and a raider on the Shadowmore side. Um, he got involved with the main story because he gave let's see, he was giving uh Ashling and the Vendillion clique and some Kithkins uh a ride to somewhere. Oh crap, I lost the <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, stuff happened. All these all these characters, some of them intersect in like completely meaningless ways. Yeah, which incidentally, um, folks, this is exactly why most people criticize the novels, because there are like a bajillion characters, and you don't really care about any of them, because they kind of have these meandering tales that sort of intersect, but sort of don't, and then then there you are. Okay, anyway, he was giving Ashling passage somewhere. That's the important part. Uh, until they were attacked by Bridget, the hero of Kinsbale. That's another character we might come to later um and what the crap is this reading (laughs) what am i reading (laughs) i'm afraid i'm afraid you're reading the history of lorwyn that's what you're reading (laughs) so okay okay so bridget was supposed to i can't i don't know where to start i don't know where to go sig was involved somehow and he and bridget ended up becoming uh friends and Bridget kept her memories through the Great Aurora because she had taken possession of a little um, magical trinket that Sig had called the Crescent of Morning Tide. Uh, but he didn't keep his memories. So Bridget remembered him as, you know, Sig the River Guide while she was still in his company as Sig the River Cutthroat. He was so nice back then. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Bridget, instead of going, instead of attacking Ashling, she was, a, she was supposed to capture Reese, who was also with, who was also traveling with Sig at the time. But Colfenor purposely spread some misinformation to Bridget. And it sounds like he was doing it specifically to get a bunch of different characters together for some other reason. Because he's a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Right. He was trying to gather specific people together to perform some kind of, um, uh, ritual right before the Aurora to try to, uh, 
try to stop what Una was was doing and set things right. She just wants to let people to sleep just a little, <laughs> so she can steal the dreams. Yeah, that is true. That is what the, they they do stuff with dream stuff. That's actually what the wiki called it was dream stuff. So uh, you mentioned back, I, I think maybe two, maybe four characters ago. I I can't really keep track anymore. <laughs> uh, Ashling. And so, uh, Ashling, so let's, let's talk about elementals for a second here. So there are kind of, kind of lesser elementals, which would be, you know, uh, uh, kind of characters that you might interact and talk to and who do things. And then there are the greater elementals of the plane and the greater elementals are kind of an embodiment of uh, a concept or a force of nature. And they don't really, they don't really have conversations with anybody. They just kind of are. They're these kind of big, massive. Yeah. I, I guess, I, I guess the best way to picture the greater elementals is, you know, in just about any Miyazaki movie, there's some elemental that's some giant, huge thing that just kind of meanders through at one point, and all the characters are in awe of it. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. Yeah. And so Ashling was meant, or at least, at, at least what I'm led to believe is that Ashling was, was searching for one of these greater elementals that, uh, she, cause I, I believe Ashling is a she? Correct. Okay, that she was supposed to eventually encounter and, and get in contact with. Uh, but at one point Ashling gets captured and almost gets ex- extinguished. Ashling is kind of like a, a fire elemental. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ashling has this encounter with her greater elemental that rekindles her flame, saving her. Uh, and at that time, when, when this whole thing happens, uh, Ashling sets Kolfenor on fire. Right. Uh, which is, you know, it seems bad for Kolfenor, <laughs> but it turns out that this was part of Kolfenor's plan, because Kolfenor had already put in motion the uh, uh, sending the seed uh, off to uh, grow into the sapling that Kolfenor was going to be, I guess, put into, reincarnated in. I, I'm a little unclear on that part. Uh, but Ashling then set off to try and re-encounter her, her greater elemental again, because the, the first time she totally was not ready for it. Yeah. And now is where things get a little confusing for me because my understanding is that uh, in the moments when we're switching between Shadowmoor or be- between Lorwyn and Shadowmoor there's kind of this moment where everything is in balance and yes. if the greater elemental is brought together with that sapling uh, you can uh, infuse it I-, I guess somehow with energy from Ashling and and create this kind of uh, I-, I don't know I guess we're making the avatar is what we're doing here for, yeah, for any fans of, of Avatar. Uh, and that was the idea. That was kind of the whole grand plan, is that this is what would happen. But it turns out that uh, Ashling had been jerked around so much that she's like, uh, screw all you guys. I'm just going to take this power for myself. Uh, peace, we out. And uh, with that, we lost balance, and we flipped over into Shadowmoor, and now Ashling the Pilgrim, who we had before in Shadowmoor, becomes Ashling the Extinguisher, uh, who is, you know, well, extinguishing things, mostly anything around her. Uh, so that's, that's where that came from. Now, towards the end of the story, the interconnected stories, the multiple stories, uh, Una tries to take the elemental power from, uh, Ashling, mm-hmm. 
but Marilyn also tries to take it. Uh, either way, uh, we, we lose Ashling. Ashling's back to being just a, a normal lesser elemental, uh, and I, I guess maybe Marilyn got the power and destroyed Una. I'm not really sure about that. Yeah, it, in the end, um, Marilyn, you know, Una's, Una's avatar who had, who had gone rogue at one point and stopped paying attention to what Una, uh, would order her to do does take that power and becomes and becomes the new and and actually is a ruler over the plane okay she restores the normal day night cycle okay so so marilyn wins yes after all that other stuff happens to, to literally everyone else okay and i guess the only named important people we haven't talked about and i'm not sure that we really need to but maybe we will uh, are Brigid and Gaddock Teague. And Gaddock Teague is a legacy card. Okay, they were done. <laughs> I think. Yeah, Gaddock Teague, the reason Gaddock sent Brigid on that mission to capture Reese was, was to, um, was part of a, a, a deal he made with Nath to kind of get him off his back a little bit. And, and he thought that bringing Reese to Nath would, um, would help him out in that respect. Because Gaddock Teague is really big on uh, diplomacy and working things out and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. hey, I'll trade you this uh, fugitive you want so much. <laughs> Won't you like that? Uh, and then Brigid was this Kithkin hero who was sent on the quest by Gaddock Teague, who encountered Reese, possibly Colfinor and Nath as well, did some things with Ashling, maybe captured Ashling? On- yes, did, did capture Ashling. Uh, and Sig, but they were able to escape from her clutches. Okay. And is she the one who brought Ashling to Colfinor when he set Colfinor on fire, or was that somebody else? I think, no, that was, that was probably Reese. Some of the stuff is starting to run together, but it makes sense. It, it would, it would make sense if it was, uh, Reese who did that. Yeah, part of, part of what got Ashling so upset, like, uh, Ashling, the, the pilgrim, was a follower of the Path of Flame, which is kind of like, uh, it's it's uh, it's a philosophical order among the flame kin. So she was basically going on this, you know, uh, roaming, you know, kind of like the, the the classic image of the roaming monk on a quest for enlightenment. Sure. And she was traveling all around Lorwyn and trying to find that special elemental. And what what really hit her so hard was Colfinor had gone out. Colfinor was trying to find her, so he he went out and captured this elemental. And force them to confront each other. So not only was her encounter with the elemental, uh, uh, stressful and violent and forced, but it also, it didn't happen, it, it was unnatural. It didn't happen at the right time. And it really shook her faith in, uh, in everything she was, she was trying to do to find enlightenment for herself and about the world and everything like that. And it got to really affecting her mind. And that's part of why she was, you know, so angry at, at the thought about being used for one more thing that she rebelled during the ceremony at the Great Aurora and, and didn't go along with Colfinor's plans and stole the power for herself and screwed it all up. Cause she just couldn't stand the thought of being someone's goon anymore. Alright. Sounds, sounds like everyone on that plane's just the worst. <laughs> they're, they're up there. Okay, so let's, let's see if we can do a quick recap. So, Una, wants the world to be perpetually night. By attempting to do so, she screws everything up, and now we have this 300-year cycle of day and night. 
And when we cycle from one to the other, it's not like, oh, now it's nighttime and this sucks. It's, oh, I don't actually remember anything about the daytime anymore, and now I'm an evil jerk. Uh we have except for the elves who become, except for the elves who, who actually become and, and defenders of the I was going to say they actually become slightly better yeah. in uh in in Shadowmoor than they were in in even in uh Lorwyn. Uh then we have uh Colfenor who is uh the last of the ash you is that trust. right? You he the last of the you. We have Colfenor who uh <laughs> Colfenor wants to preserve his memories maybe or create the Avatar, maybe, and so send some people, including Brigid and uh, Reese, and manipulates Ashling mm-hmm. to try and get his sapling created and in the right place to join with the elemental that he also may be captured and brought together so that they can fuse and he can be in charge. But instead, Una's former first-in-command steals that power, defeats Una, becomes the new Queen of the Fae, and restores day and night to normalness. Um, I... There had to have been a skipped step somewhere in there, but yes. Okay. So, do... Are the people on Lorwyn, are they all immortals? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think mean, so either. I think there's a few that are really long-lived, like the Fae. Well, the Queen of the Fae. Yeah, like, Treefooks and Giants and Una, they live a really long time. Because I'm thinking, like, you know, some of these, more, like, Nath and Sig, you know, people who change from Eventide to Lorwyn, are they just taking that one spot in time? I think they just happen to be alive at the time, so they okay. changed, yeah. Alright, just because it sounds like, oh, 300 years, I'm like, do these people just live forever? I mean, I get, like, Una, and I get, like, some of the more mythical mystical beings, but I don't know. Yeah, this just happened to be what was going on at the time during the snapshot word that we were given to look at Lord Shadow. Then I guess my other thought is, so they, she wanted, Una wanted Night Forever, so to keep it Night Forever, she accidentally created the Great Auroras. Mm -hmm. Right. So night and day last 300 years. Right. Did that mean... During a normal cycle, Sig would be all happy-go-lucky during the day and then bat crap crazy at night? Yes. That's what, yeah, I mean, that's what all this suggests, yeah. So that means, so whether it was night or day, people like, like it's like, like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, oh, during the day, they're like, so the elves are like just the meanest during the day, but at night they're pretty cool? Yeah, and I think it may just be comparatively, right? I mean, during the daytime, everybody's really nice, except for the elves, who are kind of jerks. And then it becomes nighttime, and everybody's jerks, and you go, well, the elves aren't so bad. They're just less jerks? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's what it boils down to. Well, because Lorwyn, the elves are all green-black, and then um, Shadowmoor, they're all green-white. Yes. Is that right? Yes. That's right. Whereas the, the mer- merfolk are the other way around. Yeah, they're they're blue white during the day and blue black at night. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the I just, other thing we've we've learned by dipping our toes into this quagmire is that uh so I've met listeners and folks out there who have said, "You know what I want? I want to return to Lorwyn." Uh, why? Exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong, the cards are interesting, the mechanics are interesting, but storyline, man, this was this is a mess. Story, yeah, storyline, no, but the world setting is is really good and appealing. 
the thing is, though, they could have, I mean, it could be like, they could, if they go back, they could maybe do it justice now that they have, you know, teams that are dedicated to writing good stories. I mean, did they have that back then? People who were that dedicated to the world building and the lore? Well, they had individuals writing the novels. Yeah, but the, I don't think that's the same. An individual the, writing the novel necessarily isn't getting across what Wizards wants. Well, yeah, the, and that person would write the novel from some set of notes that were provided to them by Wizards, but not, right. they weren't given a novel to, you know, put their name on and publish. Right, but I think like now with, you know, the world building teams and the, it seems like the teams that are writing the Uncharted Realms and are like focusing on the lore, it seems like they're mm-hmm. doing so much better with it that they could probably do it justice now if they kept it in house. The way they're writing the stories now. Because right now there's stories for each plane's, I mean, they may not be my favorite stories, but they're like, some, they're much more cohesive and better. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I and think And they're that... being told in smaller chunks that don't necessarily need to be connected every step of the way. Right. You don't necessarily need some grandiose nine character spanning arc intermixed thing that yeah. we had here. Huh. Did, did, did Sorn and Sarkon ever cross paths during the Cons of Tarkir story? I don't think they did. Uh, no, I don't think they ever actually did. Yeah, and they didn't need to. <laughs> no. That, that's right. That's right. In fact, I think that, uh, Sorin and Ugin really only met briefly, and, uh, Ugin and Sarkin only met briefly, and that was fine. Mm-hmm. Just kinda wrap things up. Well, in all fairness, if Sarkin saw Soren, he probably would have said something lippy, and then Soren would have had to kill him. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then Ugin never comes back. That's that's just how it ends. And then not only was Sarkin uh, never born at all, he was killed. <laughs> just, he says something like, nice white hair, he goes, look who's talking, then bam, head gone. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that's how Sarkir ended. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh man. Okay, and so that was Lorwyn, I I guess. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe. That... There's a lot of stuff we missed too. Oh man, there is so much that we missed. I I'd, I'd like to tell you. Like there was a subplot of people trying to get um Roshin Meander's dream journal and uh, just all kinds of stuff. Wait, what? Yeah, Roshin Meander kept a kept a journal. Uh it's these these sources go back and forth between calling it a journal and a set of scrolls that she would write down her prophecies on. And Roshin was very good at making accurate prophecies. And she knew that um, she knew that the Aurora was coming and she knew that it was a natural, more or less a natural process that no one could really stop from happening. Hmm. So some people were after her, uh, her journal or her scrolls to see what else they could find out about what was going on. There's another thought about the great Auroras. If this, if the sun really took 300 years to like, so like theoretically like cycle, like mm-hmm. a day would, wouldn't that one side just burn to death? <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a lot of astrophysical questions about how this operated, quite frankly. And the only way I can pull it off is if, uh, Lorwyn is actually a flat planet, like a disk world. Yeah. And that Una, by exerting her control, was essentially tilting the disk toward the sun during the one phase, and then it gets tilted away from the sun in the other phase. Now, I don't know what's going on in the backside. Quite yes. frankly. Some, some planes are, are very small. They're not even, uh, whole, they're not even solar system sized. Uh, so Lorwyn might be 
Nolan might be a big ball with, you know, with a, a, a dome of the sky above and, um, and the dome of the earth below where all the water is. Yeah, the, 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 the orbital mechanics of all of this just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing, like, um, Mike, you said she has very accurate prophecies. Yes. If, if the prophecies weren't accurate, wouldn't that just be telling stories? <laughs> yeah, it'd just be some jackass bothering you, yeah. You know, I'd kind of like to see it, like a, these uh, books. That's not a pre- like the books they wrote for Lorwyn. Those aren't prophecies. Those are just someone who's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I I would kind of like to see uh, uh, some sort of a fantasy, an epic fantasy tale where someone is trying to steal this journal full of prophecies, and they come to find out that it's not full of prophecies. It's full of just lies, just constant lies. The person who had it was not a prophet, just a just a compulsive liar, or even better yet. It's just a journal. It's like, today I woke up. I ate some figs. And that's it. That's the whole page. Flip to the next page. You find out what they ate the next day. And that's the big reveal at the end of the book, is that the whole thing, total <laughs> waste of time. I've going back to college. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, spoilers for the end of Kung Fu Panda, the great dragon scroll. Oh, yep. It's nothing. This is true. Spoiler alert. I said spoilers. Yeah, but I mean, unlike people who who watched the season finale for Game of Thrones, started putting crap on Facebook with no spoiler warning. Yeah, social media kind of spoils many things. Spoiled it for my wife, and I'm like, why would you even go on Facebook if you haven't watched it yet? You know, people will talk about it. Yeah, because I'm living in 2015, and I want to go on Facebook. That's right. Well, she admits it's a problem. It's an addiction. She admits that. Oh well, I've got a severe Twitter addiction, quite frankly. Uh, although I have recently found that you can mute people on Twitter. Did you know you can do that? I did not. Yeah, it's an amazing feature. You can you can take people, and rather than unfollowing them, you can just mute them. Goodbye, clues. Yeah, that's right. So go ahead, mute me. That'll work just fine. Uh, you, see, the thing is, now you may ask, well, clues, why would you want to do that? Why not just unfollow them? Well, the answer is, if you mute them, but you're still following them, they can still send you a direct message, and if they at mention you, you'll still get that. But they they won't appear in your normal timeline. So you don't get all their garbage. That's right. So if you've got someone who all they do is uh, tweet pictures of their cat, well, actually, you want to keep that in your timeline. But uh, goodbye, Chewy. Yeah, yeah. If you just want to get rid of Chewy, uh, that's fine. Or uh, uh, let's see, the MTG cast feed, which mostly just uh, mentions when they post shows. Maybe you don't want to see that. Maybe you do. I don't know. I'm going to say you do, because you enjoy all of the fine shows on the MTG Cast Network, including this one. Especially this one. Especially this one. That's right. That's right. Yay! Okay, well, I think that's all the Lorwyn I can stomach this week. I don't know. Do you guys have any other Lorwyn tidbits you want to throw out there? I mean, the the Planeswalkers Um, appear in the set Lorwyn, but have absolutely nothing to do with the story. Yeah, zero. Zero, zero, zero. Point zero. That's return, right. The return to Lorwyn sets could be Soren going there with his vampires and takes the planet over. <laughs> so elves, you're out. Uh, Merfolk, you're out too. Look, everybody, screw it. The vampires are in charge. We're going to make things work. Oh, crap. It's vampires. Now I have to create a god to keep things in check. It's Innistrad all over again. Wait, that's not a bad thing. We'd like Innistrad all over again. Return to Lorwyn, Innistrad number two. <laughs> Oh, that would be glorious. Ah, All right. Okay, well, 
let's wrap this thing up. Let's put it to bed. Mike, if folks want more of you, where can they find it? Uh, the Manipool Podcast. You can check us out on our website, themanipool.com. Chewy does all the tweeting at Twitter, at the Manipool on Twitter. Um, what else? Uh, you occasionally appear in some of the humorous videos that Chewy has been producing. Right, yeah, that he's been putting on his YouTube channel. The channel is called The Manipool Tube. For some reason, he wasn't able to get The Manipool as a YouTube channel. I don't know why. That's much uh, of the same way that I haven't been able to get clues on Twitter. Somebody else has it. They've posted like four times. They follow eight people, and their last post was like four years ago. But oh, man. I'm not bitter or anything. <laughs> I'm not working on getting their address at all. Yeah. Well, if anyone knows who that is, uh, tell them hi and that I totally like clues. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yes, so the, the humorous videos, which, by the way, are actually really funny for those who haven't <laughs> seen them. Well, they I hope they're, if they're humorous videos, I'd hope they'd be humorous. Well, you'd like to think that, but many things on the Internet labeled as humorous, not so much. But no, in this case, uh, turns out Mike, Mike, is, you may have noticed over the past hour while listening to him, Mike, pretty entertaining. Ever so slightly. So, and join us next time when Mike will review uh, Pizza Hut's new hot dog crust pizza. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. I'm just a so, sucker for for dumb stuff when it comes to getting something to eat. So I I got an email from Pizza Hut. It was like, try the new uh, what's it called? Hot dog bites crust pizza before anyone else. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Me I, just, I, I just don't understand why they get re- they. What's wrong with pizza? Why do people have to mess with just plain regular old pizza? Yeah, here's the thing I don't quite understand. So I, now we're gonna we're gonna digress into pizza cast for just a minute. Uh, I am a big fan of pizza. I think pizza is one of the most wonderful foods ever invented by mankind. I also believe in a di- a diversity in pizza. So you'll meet some people who are like, oh, New York style pizza is the only kind of pizza, and you'll meet people who are like, oh, Chicago deep pizza, that's the only kind of pizza. No, no, no. I believe we can exist in a world where all kinds of pizza are accepted. Except possibly pizza with pineapple on it, but that's a personal preference, not a fan. But, so Pizza Hut goes through this, this big motion recently of rebranding themselves and getting all these new crusts and new toppings and all oh, kinds of weird stuff. And here's the so thing. Hard. Yeah, I don't actually want any of that. If I want a Pizza Hut pizza, what I want is a Pizza Hut pizza, right? Like the, the one I remember from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's, that's what I want is a, is a thin crust with sausage and extra cheese. That's what I want. You don't have to do crazy stuff, but apparently the hot dogs are are not bad. Yeah, or so I'm told by a reliable source. <laughs> well, some people would tell you that uh, I am not reliable when it t- comes to telling you about things that are actually good to eat. <laughs> There's a difference between things that are actually good to eat and things that I will eat. Okay, I I think that might be true for all of us. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And everybody check out The Manipool uh, and listen to Mike every week. The Manipool, the longest-running casual magic podcast, is what I've been told. Uh, and they have lots of great stuff and wacky, enjoyable things that go on on that podcast. So do check it out. Uh, other things you should be aware of, if you want to give us some feedback, if it's about Lorwyn, you want to send a tweet to at the Manipool or an email to jack at mtgcast.com. But if you want other feedback, maybe, maybe there's something you want, you're dying to tell us. Maybe there's a topic that you really want us to cover. Maybe there's a future flavor episode that you really want us to cover. Suggestions. We love to hear them. 
you can get in touch with us many ways. We have a website. We are cardadvantagecast.com, which is where you can find this show, among other things. You can also find us on the MTG Cast Network. Some folks subscribe there. You can hit us up on the Twitters. We are at cardadvantage. You can email us directly. We are mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. If you want to reach me directly, if you have something that you're just dying to say to clues, Twitter is your fastest way. It is at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. You can read me at MindMage. The the A is a four, and Soren Fanboy Winky Face coming soon. I want it to be. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I don't think they'll let me have a Winky Face. Yeah, I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But anyway. Bunch of jerks. Thank you, Mike, once again for joining us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it, and we will see you all next time. Okay, I think this is coming up. Well, I'm recording anyway, so I, I guess maybe we'll start and... Man, this is not going to be our, our finest hour, I fear. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> we'll have less fine ones. <laughs> oh, I think all of that's going at the end of the show. Uh, okay, all right. So uh, just give me some silence and we'll we'll do a thing. Yay. Oh, and now a stinger for the stinger, because I really am going to put that stuff from the beginning before we start <laughs> recording on the end here, because that was, that was hilarious. I also forgot to mention that you should support your local game shop, and if you're in the Durham, North Carolina area, I suggest that you check out Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. It's a great shop. You should check it out. Because I forgot to put that in the actual show, so I had to get it in. I'd say I'm contractually obligated, but they don't pay me, so... Still, it's a good choice. Maybe one day they will pay you. Uh, maybe, which is sad, because I'm moving away. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, there we go. We rambled longer than I thought we would, and I think we made it just uh, just confusing enough. I think that was the appropriate I amount hope so. of confusing. <laughs>